Welcome to Building the Future. I'm your host, Kevin Hark. You can check out new episodes of the show every Tuesday and Thursday at 2 p.m. If you missed an episode or want to get more information about the show, please visit buildingthefutureshow.com. Welcome back to the show. Today we have Robin and Nash from Valley. Guys, welcome to the show. Thanks for having us on, Kevin. Thanks a lot. Yeah, I'm excited. I, I think what you guys are doing is very, very cool. But before we kind of maybe get into that, let's get to know each of you a little bit better and maybe cover your background. So maybe Nash, do you want to kind of start and, and uh, introduce yourself and kind of where you grew up? Sure. Happy to do it. Um, I'm born and raised in New Orleans, Louisiana. Yes. Um, I went to university at Columbia in New York. Okay. I uh, started working at okay. Google uh, right out of university in 2007, went to Mountain View, uh, lived in San Francisco, uh, worked at Google for two years and went to a nearby startup called AdMob, worked okay. there for okay. about a year and a half, um, and then came back to Google because Google bought AdMob. Um, I worked at Google as head of mobile ad operations uh, in North America and then uh, in Singapore. Um, uh, and uh, I left Google in 2012 to become an entrepreneur. Um, started a health technology consulting business, uh, started uh, an online advertising network that was that we subsequently sold, uh, and then moved to London because uh, I got married. Um, along the way, I met Robin, and uh, we decided to uh, build Valley together. Very cool. Um, Ro- Robin, do you want to maybe uh, give a kind of an intro of yourself and your background and kind of where you grew up? Sure, absolutely. I'd love to. Um, well, be, be, being British, ironically, I, I didn't actually grow up in England. My father was in the Foreign Office. Um, I was born in South America, grew up across India, wow. Jamaica, Western Europe. Um, I had been at school um, since a fairly young age in the UK. Obviously, uh, I went to uni in the UK, studied at Oxford. Um, after uni, uh, I went into the city. And for my sins, I, I became an investment banker where I spent seven years trading interest rate derivatives, first at Credit Suisse, the Swiss bank, and then later at Barclays. Uh, I'd always have a burning desire to to get into the tech space, suddenly to, to build my own business. And finally, I took the plunge um, and I, I left. I, I went through an engineering boot camp. Those kind of schools are not that common in London, but there is one place which is uh, particularly good and modeled on the kind of US uh, engineering boot camp um, curriculum, spent four months learning as much as possible about the engineering side of, of running a technology company. Out of that, I actually uh, founded my first business, it's called GoWashMyCar.com, uh, mobile car wash marketplace. Uh, and then uh, that's kind of how Nash and I got talking about doing stuff together. We'd been met, we'd been introduced by a mutual friend prior to that, uh, discussing a lot about that business, the the on-demand space, and uh, uh, got really excited about on-demand parking. And, and pretty soon thereafter, decided to start building Valley, uh, which was um, I think we wrote our, our first lines of code in April last year, and then launched on the App Store in November. Very, very cool. So maybe before we get into Valley, I'm just kind of curious to know how each one of you kind of got into technology, whether as a kid or kind of, you know, when when in your life you kind of got into it. Uh, yeah, sure. I can I can start there. Sure. Um, you know, I've definitely been into technology since uh, I don't know, maybe like fifth grade or fourth grade when 
we were one of the first families in my neighborhood to get an IBM 386. Yeah, yeah, I had that. <laughs> this was just when AOL 3.0 was coming out in the U.S., and uh, I got uh, pretty excited about uh, Whereas. Like yeah, chat yeah, totally. Trade music and, and like download punters and mail bombers and all that stuff. So That's I was hilarious. I was doing that back in fifth grade, and I think, uh, you know, then I went on to gaming and, and other technology things, but that, that's how it started. Sure. Well, I, uh, I'll chip in. I mean, I was, I was also always into gaming as well, but I, I can remember from the age of about 17 being, being obsessed with the idea of building a tech startup, and it was uh, when the internet was in a very different um uh, you know the landscape of of tech businesses was very different to to what is it is today. But I was still searching around online for interesting URLs. Um, I remember my first idea was actually um, uh, uh, an idea called Teen Date. Um, it was going to be a dating app for people in their in their late teens. That actually never came to fruition. But I think from a young age, I, I'd always had the uh, um, you know saw myself as building a, a large technology company one day, or at least wanted to. Sure. No, I, I think that's awesome. So maybe let's let's get into what Valley is and exactly kind of the idea behind it and kind of why did you guys decide to, to start it? Sure. Um, I, can, I can start there. Sure. Uh, well, you know, we're, we're starting Valley because parking is a huge pain in London. Sure. Um, sure. All you have to do is go onto Twitter and search Parking London and <laughs> you'll see all the rants that happen on a daily basis. Um, there's even a TV show called Parking Wars here. That's that's, that's pretty popular. Uh, so it's 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 painful, you know. And and the government, uh, you know, has has also put in a congestion charge and taken other initiatives to to kind of uh, get less vehicles in, in, into the city. And therefore, um, people who are driving in um, are, are not given much attention. Um, you know, it's hard to find parking on the street. If you do find it, you're, you have to suffer like really short time limits, you know, two hours, three hours. Uh, they're really quick to ticket. Um, if you look into commercial parking, it's super expensive. You know, the average is about 40 pounds per day. And if you're in kind of the main areas of like Soho, Oxford Street, it's 50 pounds per day, uh, wow. which, you know, in U.S. dollars, that's like sixty-five dollars. You know, it's, it's actually uh, the most expensive parking in the world. Um, and then at the same time, you have these like uh, really interesting pricing dynamics where uh, it's you know fifty pounds per day, uh, and in Soho, and just literally a kilometer away over at Russell Square, it's thirty pounds per day. Um, and so uh, parking prices differ dramatically over short distances. And so we're kind of seeing these as, as you know. Um, kind of uh, signals of, dis of dysfunction, uh, you know, and, and ways to make parking better. Um, and so, uh, you know, we started Valley to, to make uh, not just uh, parking easier, but, you know, the act of owning a car and bringing a car into London, uh, making that, that, that whole, uh, the, the whole ownership model uh, a lot easier. Um, and, uh, and so that's what our service is, you know, our service at its core is, is basically, uh, you know, taking one of the major frustrations out of driving, uh, um, uh, which is parking. And so as a driver, you can drive up to anywhere you want, use our app to request a valley who will meet you at that location and be waiting for you as you drive up that valley will take your car, park it for you. Um, and then you can use the app to um, request it back whenever you want. And you can kind of see the location of your car in Valley at all times in real time via the app. Uh, and all payments are automated in the app as well. That, that's awesome. So I'm, I'm, I'm kind of curious. So how do I kind of 
sign up and kind of get started in this? Like, have you guys launched this yet? Yeah, yeah we, we, we've launched for a while. Okay. Um, we launched in November. We started off with a kind of a, um, a pilot area just on the east side of London around the Barbican Centre and Liverpool Street. Um, after a month, uh, that was pretty successful. And now we've expanded uh, to westward in London and now cover a big chunk of, of kind of central London, uh, all the main neighborhoods like Mayfair and, and Soho and Holborn. So basically we cover uh, most of London's congestion zone. As it's known to drivers. Sure. You mentioned a con uh, there's some sort of fee that I need to pay, like congestion fee. Was was that what you mentioned? What is that exactly? It's, it's kind of like a toll for coming into Central okay. London. You know, okay. So drivers who are driving into Central London um, between uh, 7 a.m. and 6 p.m. Um, sorry, 8 a.m. and 6 p.m. Uh, Monday and Friday uh, pay a 10 pound surcharge. Wow. Okay. So, so walk me through kind of the process. I, how do I kind of go from signing up to kind of getting, you know, getting picked up, I guess. So I can pro I can probably talk you through that. Um, sure. Obviously we're on the app store. Uh, it's like any other app you download it, you register. Uh, it's very simple, just a email and a password. And um, before booking, we ask you to, uh, putting your credit card uh, so that we can manage all payments uh, at the end of the process uh, in an automatic fashion. Um, and you know, our, our app, it, it really works like any other app that involves uh, real-time location updates and setting locations via a map. You can either search a location um, via, via the map, you just uh, press a button in the middle of the screen, it says book my valley, uh, that then sends um, a request off to our server and we uh, query our, our valleys who are roaming around the centre center of London. Uh, we have a, a, a sort of algorithm which determines uh, who should be assigned. Um, the valley accepts the order and then the customer is, is, is told, hey, you know, there's a valley available. Um, they see a meet your valley screen, a picture of the valley. Um, they have uh, e easy... Um, sort of facility to send them an SMS or to call them. Um, and everything from that point is is updated in real time as both the customer and the matched valley um, progress towards what we call the drop-off point, um, which is where the exchange will take place. Uh, the app lets them know what the estimated transit time is uh, for the valley to reach the point. Um, and the, the assigned valley has the same experience in their app as well. Um, then the two sort of meet up, um, you know, on the side of the road somewhere where it's uh, safe to pull over. And we have some security controls around the actual exchange of the vehicle itself. Uh, we sort of a random, uh, randomly generated four digit number. Obviously, our customers are concerned uh, that the person who's meeting on, on the street is a representative of the company. Uh, so they match this security code. And after that, the customer's on their way. You know, they, they, they remain updated at all times as to the location of their car. Uh, they can see the valley drive off from the meeting point towards the assigned car park, uh, track them in real time. And then once the car's parked, that, that's really it. Um, from that process, from that point on, uh, the customer sees what we call the return booking screen, where they book a return point uh, in much the same way as they set their original drop-off location. Uh, and then it's really just an unwind of that process. We send someone to the car park to collect the car. Uh, they bring the car from the car park to the return point, And the customer, uh, at the end of the process, has an opportunity 
to add a tip and provide us some feedback on on the whole experience. It's probably worth mentioning actually that one of the one of the real advantages of a valley is that the return point doesn't need to be the same as the drop off point. It can actually be anywhere in in our conge- in the congestion zone, so to speak. So, uh, for shoppers, for instance, who drop their car off at, at one point of, of the shopping um, shopping area in central London, uh, they can roam around and do their business and not think about where they're going to end up. And then, when they want their vehicle back, uh, they just request it back, and we bring it back to to where they've ended up. Sure. No, I I think that's awesome. I, I love the whole concept and kind of when. Um, you know, we first got put in touch with each other. I, it was just like, oh my God, I need to have these guys on the show because you're, you're taking such a pain point for a lot of people and, and solving like a huge problem for them. And I, I, I love that idea. And I just wanted to have you guys on the show because I, I kind of wish that you guys were in my area and I'm sure that you will be at some point. It's just, I was hoping you'd be, you know, <laughs> in my area sooner than later, <laughs> but I think that's awesome, right? I, I think it's it's really cool. So I'm curious to know kind of what does the user pay and kind of how, do, how does pricing work? Yeah, well, um, the user pays uh, either five pounds per hour or 25 pounds per day max. Okay. So if you pay for six hours, it's only 25 pounds per day. Um, and, uh, and that's all inclusive. That includes the cost of, of the collection and the return. That includes the cost of parking. Um, uh, so five pounds per hour, 25 pounds per day, all in. Sure. So, sure. so how does it work with you guys and, and kind of, um, finding the Valley guys, like, is, is it almost kind of like Uber where I just pull up the screen and I can see all the, the different guys that are ready to come get my car? Yeah, pretty much. Okay. And so how do you, I, I guess like, are those people just like, how do you screen the people that are going to be picking up my car? Do I basically, or can anybody do it? Or, or are they kind of employees or how does that work? They're, they're absolutely employees. And, you know, we spend a lot of time uh, actually hiring. Um, it's kind of the most important part of the business um, is, is the valley uh, who's going to drive your car uh, sure. rather than the map. Um, and so, you know, what we do is we have, um, you know, a multi-step interview process that's, com- that's composed of, uh, first off, uh, an online application form, which pre-screens for a lot of things, um, and then a, uh, an in-person interview, and then a driving test. Uh, and then another online interview, um, and then um, uh, a subsequent background check through a company called Onfido, where we do um, driving history, criminal history, even credit report, um, alongside other things like right to work and identity document checks. Um, so there's a full vetting process that happens. And then subsequent to that, uh, there's training. Um, and so after, you know, uh, we actually take a valley through the, the, the whole kind of verification and interview process, uh, you know, we, we give them uh, a good bit of training um, that's both, uh, you know, technologically based. Uh, they learn how to use the apps that we make for them, but they also learn how to use apps that we use as part of our operations, things like Slack, all the right. valleys are Slack group chats. Oh, interesting. Uh, and, uh, and, and then there's real world training where we make sure they understand the layouts of different car parks and understand the best practices of driving different cars and, and navigating the streets of London. Sure. No, that, that's awesome. So I, I'm kind of curious to know how, how do you guys kind of monetize um, the company? Uh, it's very much through parking. You know, um, one of the, the really interesting things about 
parking is is the pricing rationale behind it. Right. Which, you know, there's different reasons uh, why car parks are priced the way they are. Um, the short story is that it's not always rational. Um, and for most car parks, it's, it's stepwise. It's right that if you park for one hour, it's more expensive than if you park for five hours. Then if you park for one week, it's cheaper. If you park for one month, it's, it's even cheaper. Um, and so what we do is we take advantage of that, where we book uh, parking uh, in mass uh, and at longer durations um, with car parks that are just a little bit further than you would pretend than you would walk yourself. So okay. if that car park's like seven blocks away, it ends up being a little bit cheaper anyway. Uh, and then when we layer on the kind of volume discounts that 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 we look for, um, we get a significantly cheaper rate, which allows us to pass on that savings to the consumer. Um, you may have noticed that I mentioned earlier that the average price of parking is 40 pounds across yep. London. Our rate is actually 25 pounds per day. Wow. That's, that's, a, that's a really cool, awesome savings. So I, I'm kind of curious then, how how do you guys i guess decide what kind of areas to cover and kind of what areas to kind of move into i think uh you know one one of the things uh the the business uh, uh really needs is a, a concentration of parking activity okay um so it's naturally the on demand parking model is is naturally suited towards downtown areas cbd's call them um, we, we launched in the city of London, that's the financial area to, to the east of the centre of London, uh, with a focus on commuter parking. We had a successful pilot through November and December, but we saw a lot of demand for, for West End parking, uh, which tends to be a mix of uh, shoppers, it could be uh, mothers uh, heading out um, during the day to, to, to do midweek chores, it could be uh, uh, people working in non-financial service sectors um, such as the media industry um, and also people coming in to London from out of town uh, and they might be coming in for, for multi-day parks, so arriving uh, during, during the day, uh, during midday and uh, staying for, for, for not just one, possibly even two or three days. Um, so we, uh, we really wanted to be able to offer every, uh, every person signing up, um, a use case, uh, whether that be commuting, uh, to the city during the week or shopping, uh, in, in the later part of the day, or even on Saturdays when we launched, we, we were just open Monday to Friday. Um, we quickly opened up on Saturday. Saturday is one of our busiest days of the week. Um, and we're, we're even still seeing um, a, a lot of inbound inquiries about whether we'll be open later in the evening to service sort of theater and restaurant hours. And we're thinking carefully about this um, and constantly, uh, you know, evaluating uh, people's individual use cases. Sure. Like I can imagine that, you know, in the evening and, and like you mentioned on weekends, like I can imagine in the evening would be very lucrative for you. Like I know even just being in big cities like L.A. or, or whatnot, just trying to find parking at some restaurant just to go for dinner can be kind of a nightmare and you have to park, you know, blocks away. So I, I think it, it would make a lot of sense for you guys to kind of do that eventually in the evening if it, you know, if it makes sense in certain parts of the world. Potentially, yes. I, there's definitely, um, you know, some non-obvious considerations uh, around doing business in the evenings. Um, but it's it's something that we're, we're constantly looking at very, very carefully. And um, you know, if there's uh, profitable uh, business to be had by opening in the evenings, then we'll certainly look at that. Sure. So I, I'm kind of curious. You mentioned some kind of challenges. I'm I'm curious to know 
what what are some things that are the challenges that you know the average person wouldn't consider when you know you guys are looking to kind of expand hours or or open up into new neighborhoods or or cities um well the the major challenge in the business is uh is concurrency sure you know when you know we have kind of a, a lot of people who want their car want to drop off their cars in the morning um not that many people you know in the mid morning from you know 9:30 onwards uh then we get a little bit of a spike during lunchtime um where people are either taking their cars back or actually dropping them off again um and then you know we return a lot of those cars at night so um that's the um the kind of most complex part of the business that we have to manage because you know we need uh a lot of values on staff during peak times but we don't really need that many values during off peak times um so you know we have different ways of managing that first and foremost it's it's a flexible shift scheduling model okay. where okay. Uh, you know a lot of our values work just 2 or 3 hours at a time uh, all our values are in fact part time um and, uh, and and work around this flexible shift scheduling model uh and the other part is uh you know learning customer behavior and being able to kind of predict uh the ebbs and flows uh you know as as we scale um and so as long as we can manage that uh you know we can run a pretty successful business sure no that makes a lot of sense and i like are you going to eventually tie into maybe somebody's i don't know personal calendar or something like where where i'm getting at is basically could i say that um i have you know three meetings off site today and i'm going to leave the office by i don't know 6 p.m. or something and then you guys automatically pick me up at the times that i'm slotted in based on kind of my calendar where it's like you know i know google maps does it really well saying like you need to leave by x amount of time you know to get to your meeting at this location based on traffic like are you guys thinking of kind of doing that kind of personal integration at some point that's definitely part of the dream um you know our our system is is built with an api architecture that allows us to you know the apps are talking to a central server we have an android app that's in development as well and so you know it's talking to the same api so there's no reason why you know your calendar couldn't also you know uh, book requests uh, automatically uh, through our api and why a, you know a smart car or autonomous vehicle couldn't potentially uh, book requests uh, through an api as well sure no i i think that's awesome so i i'm kind of curious to know um what other cities are you guys thinking of moving into ah that's 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 a good question yeah robin uh, alluded to the fact earlier that we need kind of a, a density sure um, you know uh, uh of, of cars and traffic and parking to uh for for the the service to to be successful in the current model um and uh, and so you know when we look to where we can expand next we haven't we we definitely have not made uh any any decisions yet um, but it will be a a mix of kind of what partners uh we're working with here that can help us expand uh to to different cities um and also uh the kind of uh parking dynamics you know just to name a few cities uh, there's other cities in the UK alone that where where this model will definitely work um the Manchester and Birmingham being two examples uh, and then of course major cities throughout Europe uh sure. Paris Berlin uh, Milan Madrid um all the capitals suffer from parking problems um and it's a, it's a problem that, uh, that 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 we can help with sure no i i think that's 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 really cool and i i love kind of how you're taking just like a industry that really hasn't changed that much in you know decades and and you're kind of 
re-envisioning and reimagining and, and and solving like a real problem. Um, so I'm curious to know kind of where do you guys kind of see yourself going um, in the, in kind of you know throughout the rest of the year, maybe feature wise or or what what are you guys kind of working on and where do you kind of see it going in the next year or two outside of kind of maybe expanding to new markets? We, you know, we it took us uh, five months to um, release the first version of, of the app on the App Store, and even then, we had a a ton of pipeline features uh, from a technology point of view. Uh, this could be anything. Just just to list, um, you know, some examples from integrating additional uh, services, for instance, uh, where we could look at offering uh, automated bookings for requests for car washing. Uh, MOTs, uh, other kind of uh, mechanical work, um, dry cleaning services. Uh, then you know you you actually mentioned earlier around fitting into you know a customer's um, schedule, and so pre-booking both drop-off and return times. Um, also interesting pipeline features. They're kind of the obvious ones. Uh, okay. You know we we okay. have some. Uh, more interesting, exciting things uh, we want to work out, which which I won't share with you now. Sure. Um, but sure. there's there's definitely a a strong uh, development pipeline um, for, from a technical point of view. But for for the time being, we we have our hands very busy just managing and balancing operations with our fundraising activities. Um, so really, you know, the next uh, six month, the profile of of the next six months. Uh, Caesar's going uh, through a, a fundraising round at the minute, closing that, and then using that capital to establish Valley as uh, the market-leading uh, parking technology app in London and uh, the dominant uh, on-demand parking company, uh, hopefully the, the, the most successful name in Europe at that stage. And that, that's really the, the lie of the land for, for 2016. Um, and then I think, you know, some point towards the end of the year, we'll be thinking about uh, additional funds and, and, you know, spreading out throughout the UK and, and, and getting into Europe. Yeah, if I could just add to that, from sure. like a product perspective, you know, we're, I think we're, what we built thus far um, is very much, I think, MVP. You know, we, we have like a, a long way to go. And, and in the, you know, in, in, in the, for the rest of this year, I think a lot of the, um, the features that, that we'll be launching have very much to do with scale, uh, with scaling. Um, you know, we're splitting out our, our back end into a more of a microservices architecture rather than like a, you know, a kind of a single service monolith that it currently is. And also, uh, you know, as Robin mentioned, uh, creating um, some uh, a great user experience around the additional services. Um, right now, we manage a lot of those additional services through our in-app chat. If you download our app, you can actually chat with us right inside the app, and that's where we we do a lot of other fun stuff. You know, we we take people's car for car washes. Uh, you know, we uh, we will refill your your your, your tank of gas, um, and there's not actually a, a UI for that in the app. That just happens via chat right now. Um, uh, over time, uh, over the coming months, we definitely want to bring that into kind of a, a formalized app experience. Sure. No, I I think that's awesome. I love those features. Like. I, some people hate me for saying this, but I'm not really a car guy. So if you can take the like parking and then obviously you mentioned kind of like maybe dry cleaning or take it for an oil change or wash my car, I would love that. 
Like that is awesome that you guys provide those types of services because I hate doing those things. And if I could just <laughs> offload that to somebody else, I think that makes a lot of sense. And, and yeah, I would, like obviously um, it's cool that you guys are doing that and you know that you're looking at integrating those into the app. And I think that's kind of important to mention that you guys launched with um, you know, a handful of features and services and that you're, you know, you're constantly integrating and adding new ones and, and you're reaching out and talking to customers to decide kind of where to take the app and in-app kind of features. I think that's super important and, and really cool that you guys are kind of doing that. And I think a lot of people just spend months or years trying to perfect everything where, you know, you guys launch without everything that you want, you know, down the road. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we we launched early and we we broke it quick, and then we fixed it uh, frantically, uh, and we're kind of uh, at a stable place now. Um, so you know, it's very much about listening to our users and, and and getting that feedback. Sure. No, that's awesome, and it sounds like it's been well received so far. I think it's uh, it's probably worth chipping in there as well. You know, the biz the business operating profitably as well as at scale, you know, it relies on real optimization, you know, in terms of workforce scheduling, uh, where people should be when, uh, when to assign orders to valleys, these kind of um, optimizations. We, you know, let, let's say that things are automated. There's not that much that happens manually at the minute, but obviously the, the complexity of, of running an efficient business like this as you scale gets gets more and more interesting and, sure. and more, more and more challenging. Um, and so I think that's a, a, a real part of the focus in the next uh, three to four months is how we can optimize and um, ex, ex, expand our margins. And, um, you know, you know, that's obviously a, a big precursor to to raising venture capital funding as well. You know, we're, we're super focused on building a, a real business that generates real profits uh, in the near term. And we think we're, we're, we're pretty much on the cusp of that. And I think that's, you know, um, not the case for a lot of different startups, right, where you kind of fund exploration and, uh, and you know, there's a continuing uh, product development cycle before monetization. Um, we're very much at the point where I think we have a product that's, you know, that, that people like. We have a model that can generate margins, it's up to us to execute that successfully uh, and scale it successfully. Yeah, no, I, I think it's awesome. And I, I like how you kind of mentioned that, well, you guys have kind of like a real business model behind the whole thing, right? And I think a lot of startups forget that. And I, I think, yeah, like the quicker you can be profitable, the easier it is to kind of raise money. I'm not saying it's raising money like just automatically people are going to throw money at you, but it makes it a lot easier if you can show numbers and you show users and that you're already generating some revenue. And I think a lot of startups kind of forget that. Absolutely. So I'm, I'm kind of curious to know how big is your development team? Um, not that big. <laughs> no. Okay. Like, yeah, so, so, so me and Robin, and then we have, uh, three counterparts in 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 Bangladesh, uh, uh, two of which two of whom are full time. One is kind of a a, a part time um, system ad administrator. Okay. Uh, okay. Then we have uh, kind of uh, we have two consultants as well here in the UK uh, who kind of like fix stuff. Like me and Robin uh, write a bunch of messy code, and then the, <laughs> the consultants come in. And they're like, oh, you should have done this and this, and then you know we we, we listen to them, and and they also uh, uh, do help us. Um, but but they're very much on like a contractual part-time basis. 
Sure. No, I, I, I always find it interesting to know kind of how people structure their teams because you, you read so many things where you need this like huge team of people and you need all this money. And like, I, I like kind of just hearing the real reality, you know, like some guy, I know some companies still do client work, right? And nobody really talks about that. And, you know, you guys, it's like, obviously you guys have some part-timers and some, you guys write your own code. I think that's really cool. And it's really kind of important to, to mention that you guys are still kind of in the trenches building the app as well, right? Even if it gets rewritten by somebody else in the future. I think that's actually a, a really important thing to emphasize. When when Nash and I got started, um, we, we didn't start um, by, by talking to external developers. We started by learning the um, Apple Xcode developer environment, and we spent sort of the better part of two months uh, developing sufficient expertise to build, you know, sort of version 1.0 of the app ourselves. Um, and, you know, the, the difference in, in terms of, um, you know, how close you are to the code, um, it just makes a huge difference as founders to, to run a technology team effectively. Sure. No, that makes a lot of sense. And I, I think that's, that's really good advice. So I, I'm kind of curious to know, um, well, how do I, how do I phrase it? How, how you guys kind of see, and how, how you guys kind of manage, um, like when to kind of hire new kind of people on the development side or, or even kind of new employees, like how do you guys kind of manage, you know, kind of hiring these two different types of kind of personalities for lack of a better term? Um, well, you know, I think it's, it's, it's based on very much the experience that we have and the quality of the individual. Okay. Uh, right now, our, our, our kind of next hire uh, is, is uh, after we close this round of funding, our next hire is definitely an operations manager. Um, you know, and then Robin and myself, are, are, both of our jobs as founders of this startup have, have kind of evolved so dramatically. You know, it changes from week to week. Most recently, we've been spending a lot of time uh, in fundraising, you know, meeting with investors and all that. And also a lot of time doing customer support. You know, we're getting a lot of inbound phones ringing every day, all day. We're getting emails, in-app chats, both from customers who are in the process of, of an order and customers who are kind of just exploring and learning about the business. Um, so when you think about hiring, like, uh, you know, we think about where the bottlenecks are right now. Sure, the bottlenecks, sure. you know, we aren't actively developing new features. We're, we're fixing stuff is, 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 is what we're doing. And we, we do that very much on the fly. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, we're, we do that pretty quickly. Uh, whereas the, you know, the bottleneck is definitely on the operations side, both managing our, our, our hiring process and our team values out in the field and then also on the customer support. So first hire would be an operations manager and would be someone who, you know, we actually have a great candidate in mind already. Um, and then uh, beyond that, we just actually want to grow our current team on the development side. And as I mentioned, we have an offshore team in Bangladesh. We want to add a few guys there. We have two really great consultants, one iOS consultant and one uh, kind of Node.js backend uh, consultant who we want to engage a lot more than we have. Um, and we think that, that that's the model that works for us. You know, we, we've, we've successfully built uh, um, a lot of product um, in this model and we just kind of want to want to grow with it. No, I, I think that's awesome. And I, I think that's that's really important to kind of stress that. And I, I think it's also awesome um, that you guys do customer support. I've heard that from kind of a bunch of like founders and CEOs that, you know, they sometimes even spend an entire day 
a month, even well after their, you know, company's really, really profitable, profitable, they've been running for, you know, number of years, they still go back and do kind of customer support. So I think it's, it's pretty cool that you guys are still doing that, you know, um, you know, even as kind of founders, and you guys still find the time to do that throughout your day, because I'm sure it's quite busy managing everything else, right? Yeah, we have to, and we, and we learn so much. You know, uh, you know, we we're even valleys sometimes. Like <laughs> Robin did oh, really? a, a return yesterday. You know, because you just get so much insight to, in, into the product and the user experience and how people are perceiving uh, the whole experience, whether it's uh, from the website or from the app or from meeting a valley on the street and is his jacket dirty? You know, like there's all that type of minor detail that you know uh, that influences uh, your perception of of the, of the service and the product and uh, we 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 need to he hear all that and we learn from it and hopefully make it better no i i i think that makes a lot of sense and and um that's that's awesome that you guys are kind of th care that much about the business and whatnot and still kind of do some of some of that stuff i think it makes a lot of sense and it only makes your product better like you mentioned and and so that that's really fascinating, but we're kind of coming to the end of the show, guys. So maybe let's close the show with where people can um, find you guys online, get the app, and any other kind of social media stuff you guys want to promote for the company or you guys personally. Absolutely, um, you know, uh, you can visit our website anytime, uh, www.valley.co.uk. Um, you can search us uh, on the iTunes and App Store. Just search Valley, V-A-L-L-I-E, again. Um, on social media, we're present everywhere, Facebook, Twitter, uh, Instagram, LinkedIn. Uh, our handles are Valley My Car. So just, just look up Valley My Car on Twitter and, and, uh, and send us a message. Um, uh, if you download our app uh, or if you visit our website, we have live chat. So you can potentially, uh, it's usually uh, me or Robin actually answering the chat. So uh, if you do want to have a chat directly with us, just uh, click the chat icon on the website uh, or, or when you download the iPhone app. Very cool, guys. Well, thanks again for doing this. I really appreciate you taking the time out of your busy day, and I kind of look forward to uh, following where you guys take this um, throughout the rest of the year and, you know, into the future. Absolutely. Cool. Thank you so much, Kevin. All right. Thanks, thanks guys. We'll talk soon. Bye-bye. Okay, bye. Thanks for listening. The music for the show is done by Electric Mantra. You can check them out at electricmantra.com and keep building the future.